You're tuned in to Fork Podcast. Today we're talking to Alexander Tifo. He talks about his passion to grow his fitness business, but never departing from his love for the restaurant industry. He also shares his tips to build a mindset for sustainable success. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and help our community grow. These last couple of years, I've been adopting a kind of new ways of looking at things and okay. failure uh, shouldn't be something that you shy away from because yeah. in that failure, you will possibly learn a thing or two about yourself, about what you need to do, about the kind of effort it takes every single day. Alexander Tifo from DNA Fit. Welcome to Fork Podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Sean. Really happy to have you here, dude. Yes, yes. Really, real pleasure. We haven't known each other very long at all. At all, no. In fact, today's the first day we actually met each other. It is, yes. (laughs) Driving over the bridge, I'm learning all about you. Found out you're Latino. Where are you from? Uh, My mother is from Peru. Peru? Yeah, and my father is uh, born in England, but he's uh, half uh, French-Canadian, British. Yeah, so you got a mix going on there. And you speak Spanish. I heard you speak Spanish to my wife. Espanol muy bien, sí. Ah, sí, sí. sí, sí. (laughs) Vamos a hacer esto en español. Ah, (laughs) claro. We won't Vamos a tocar mucha gente en... So you are the founder of uh, DNA Fit? Yeah, one of the founders, yeah. Along with a childhood friend, Danny Ugaldez. Uh And uh, we started this company uh, maybe 15 years ago Uh out of uh, a basement. Uh, We sat down in a two and a half and we were both working at uh, Energy Cardio at the the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Very busy trainers there. Um, so you're working as a personal trainer a personal at tra- that time? At the time, yeah. Okay. Uh, very young in our career, starting off. And we said, I think we can do this on our own. What do you think um, are some of the key traits that personal trainers need? Like you just said, we felt like we can go and do this by ourselves. And you felt that you had some inherent characteristics that would help you to excel by yourself. What do you, what do you think that is? I mean, being a good listener, for sure, is one of the things being patient with people and being patient with yourself. How so patient with yourself? What do you, what do you, well, I mean, a lot of times uh, you want people to progress or to reach their goals, Mm -hmm. whether it's weight loss or whatever those goals may be. And you lose patience sometimes in, you know, like, Hey, so you think you're doing like, you think you're doing something wrong as the trainer. Is that what you mean? Potentially. potentially. Overcritical of yourself. Yes. I mean, in the younger years, yes. But as you get older, you kind of realize a lot of things that things are out of your control or what you control is the hour or the two or the three or the four hours you have the person. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you try to advise them as much as possible when they're not with you. So how would you say your rise in the fitness industry was? Was it smooth? Was it just like <laughs> a well, steady it, it was, climb all the way up? It was always uh, paired with another passion. So I never solely did training oh okay yeah. okay what was what's your other passion so the other passion is a uh, restaurant work oh dude i should have known i mean your instagram is just plastered with beautiful plates of yes. food and uh so tell me about that so um i've been in the restaurant business for uh, 20 years now and uh, was in the business while i was studying at concordia i just never stopped okay i never stopped working i loved it all of my skills that I have, I was able to use them in the restaurant industry, uh, people skills, communication skills. Still to this day, 20 years later, I still have a lot of fun doing what I do. 
which not a lot of people can say. So the restaurant industry, uh, there was a calling there for you. and Definitely, yes. Where are you at now? So What's your... Now I've been um, at a restaurant in Old Montreal called Garde Manger. Garde Manger? Garde Manger, yeah. I've been there for the last uh, 10 years, uh, working as a floor manager, mm. general manager. But it looks like more than that. Places like Lit. It is. I see pictures it like is. Kevin Hart there. And yes, like, yes, uh, yes. What's, what's the celebrity connection going on? Um, it just takes one person from Hollywood to say, when you go to Montreal, you have to go to Galmanger. Oh. And I think it was the case many, many years ago where someone uh, discovered the place and a lot of producers, directors, and actors will stay in old Montreal as well. So they always look for a spot to eat because none of them will be cooking in the hotel no, or no of course not so if they're here for a month two months three months four months they'll be dining out a lot every okay. single night i would say yeah so yeah. they would come quite frequently to galmanger okay you told me a little bit about a relationship between you and the head chef at galmanger right yes yes tell me about that that was a super yeah. interesting story so the chef is uh, chuck hughes who's been a friend of mine for, I'd say, the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. And uh, four years into the restaurant, someone approached him and said, hey, I think you would be great on a TV show. And Chuck, uh, being Chuck, was like, I don't do TV. I'm a cook. But he, I think it was curious, and he learns very quickly. His first episode, his second episode was better. His third was better. His tenth was light years ahead of what the first one was. So very adaptable person. And he approached me, and he said... Uh, Listen, I need to lose weight. I'm going to be on TV. I can't wear black shirts and hide this. So we need to lose um, at least 20 to 30 pounds. Chuck, so Chuck Hughes, you know, that was Food Network, right? That you was said Food, Food Network. Network. He, was, he was gaining some weight. Well, he already had the weight. Oh, he so already he had the weight. He wanted to lose it before, uh, before he started shooting or while he was shooting. I remember asking him uh, specifics. Just give me a number and, and we'll try to do that. Three months I think he said 20 pounds. Yeah, so the yeah. first training session, I brought a bag and I filled it with 20 pounds. And I said, this is your bag that you're going to lug around the city and we're going to go to the mountain. We're going to do outdoor workouts, uh, mostly running, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, calisthenics. Every month we took a picture, the same spot. And every month there was a progression till we got to the, I think, 18 or 19 pounds. Yeah. Wow, yeah. man. So you helped a chef lose weight. And you yourself work in the, as a manager in a restaurant. You're very fit. So I think sometimes there's this impression that people who work around food all the time, it's a reason or an excuse to get overweight. But you guys, you're proof that that's not necessarily the case. Well, the culture has changed quite a bit in the last 20 years that I've been in the industry. It's, people are more conscious now about their health. Mm -hmm. I've been able to eliminate pop as, oh, a, as yeah. a drink that yeah. the cooks would have and uh, front of house would have. I said, no one is drinking pop while I'm here. Yeah. And I would get very upset to the oh. point where people are like, are you the, I don't want, I you're don't the healthy guy in the restaurant? Yes. Hey, I, like, I don't want to deal with this maniac who's telling me not to drink pop. Yeah, I'll yeah. just drink water and sparkling water. Okay, great. Oh. Yeah. So you bring the health consciousness into your workplace. Of course, of course. I think it's... Uh, if I didn't, then I would just be a, a fake or, yeah, yeah. you know, I'm very passionate about uh, health and fitness and, and restaurant work. So I want to help the people I'm very close to, the people that I see four times a week, the people that I see 40 hours a week. 
okay. uh, trying to help them as much as I can. Because a lot of them are very young too, so they don't have the, let's say, life experience that I have. Right. Or the, oh, that's true. Yes. You know, you, and the habits being built young really have a tendency to stick a lot better, right? Of course. So did Chuck lose that 20 pounds? Yes, he did. He did. Uh, and he was so happy with the weight loss. He said, I'm going to uh, dedicate a, an episode to you. Chuck cooks for his trainer. And I remember uh, the producers calling me and saying, uh, listen, we can't pay you, but we will feed you for that day. <laughs> and I said, all right, I'm in. Sunday morning, 8 a.m., shooting at the restaurant. But I wasn't working at the restaurant at the time. So okay. that was kind of my like introduction to the restaurant and kind of introduction to Chuck's world. And I was like, I want to be very much part of this. So maybe a year later, I got a, the chance to go and, and I went and... 10 years later, okay. I look back and... So 10 years in... 10 years in. Chuck lost his original 20 pounds yes. that he was after. Mm -hmm. He's still the chef there. Still the chef, yeah. And he's managed to keep the weight off. Yeah, I mean, uh, up and down, but uh, he's very active. Okay. We've ran, uh, I think, six half marathons together. We've done quite a bit of things together through okay. the years. Listen, for a guy who works around food and you're a trainer... This is the perfect opportunity to ask you, okay, we've just all come out of the holidays. For yes. anybody who's listening, we're in the beginning of January, so 2020, and you just talked about helping Chuck lose 20 pounds. You know, a lot of people put on those five pounds over the holidays. Some people put on more than that. Yes. And then there's other people who've just consistently been putting on weight and saying, this is my year. This is my year to lose my weight. New year, new me, dude. So tell me, Alex... For all the Chucks out there listening, <laughs> I don't believe, and the female Chucks, I don't, I don't, what's Chuck I don't and female? Believe in resolutions at all? Okay, all right. Oh, you don't? No, I don't. Okay, I'm anti-resolutions. Okay, why? I just feel a lot of them are unrealistic. Okay, people don't know what they're getting themselves into. Good point. Good um, point. Now, maybe like because I was reading not long ago, I think it was six to eight percent of people will only succeed with their New Year's resolution. So that's not a good not number. A lot of people. I like uh, these last couple of years. I've been adopting uh, kind of new ways of looking at things, and okay. failure uh, shouldn't be something that you shy away from because yeah. in that failure, you will possibly learn a thing or two about yourself, about what you need to do, about the kind of effort it takes every single day and i tell you a lot of people don't want to put that work in yeah, a lot of people yeah. don't want to drag themselves in the mud yeah so you're talking about failing forward right like failing, failing forward, forward. Yes, yes, yeah, yes. yeah yeah so being um you know people are they they love winning but then you know uh i'm a big sports guy so i see a lot of teams uh losing and then two years later they win as long as you learn from your failure, exactly. right? Yes, it can yes, be a t terribly um, tormenting life if we constantly fail and never really learn from those failures. So why don't you, we, let me ask you a question. Since there are resolutioners out there, yes, and let's see if we can give some advice to help those resolutioners be in that 6 to 8% of people. On a personal level, what I've started to do is write things down. So, so explain every, that. every day I have a chalkboard at home. I remember uh, just memories of, of growing up. The teacher would call you and say, all right, you're up on the chalkboard. And you'd be so nervous because you were afraid to fail or afraid to disappoint the, the teacher uh -huh. and other students would make fun of you. Yeah. But now it's like I'm 
by myself in a room and the only person that I'm going to disappoint is myself. Okay. So I'll write things down that I want to accomplish during the day. So is it a daily? Oh, is that a, a daily? daily? Yeah. Because mine's not a chalkboard. Mine's my daily journal. Yes. A journal every day. And yeah. it's repetitive. Mm-hmm. But it's really important that it's repetitive for me because I keep banging my ideas into my head. Yes. And each day I revisit that. We have people who are listening, thinking about, okay, so I'm writing it down. What do they write down? They could write down anything, really. Let's say, for instance, uh, I have to wash my clothes. All right, I'll write that down. Oh, I have to train at the gym. At two o'clock. Oh, so this isn't just, you're not just chalkboarding um, a gym routine or your fitness goals. You're getting organized daily. Organized, yes, yes, yes. Why do you think that's important, Alex, to get organized? Because people get sidetracked a lot. People waste a lot of time. Mm -hmm. People uh, would rather uh, watch uh, Netflix shows than, than work on their health or work on their relationships with, Mm-hmm. with other people or with themselves. Yeah. So I feel like writing it down will keep you somewhat accountable and uh, checking things off is really fun. When you complete a task, check it off. Yeah. One of the things I wrote uh, this morning was train podcast with Sean. If I'm keeping myself accountable, then I'm succeeding. But also the list is, uh, you said something before, it's uh, you're writing it every day. People don't practice enough. Mm-hmm. So in anything, in any discipline, if you practice, you will become very good at it. Yeah. So if you practice losing weight, you will become better at losing weight. If you don't practice, then you will not lose weight. Right. If you practice stretching, you will be more flexible. If yeah. you practice powerlifting, you will be more powerful. Right. I mean, it's pretty simple and straightforward. So if you practice being organized in your life, if you practice uh, going to the gym, then it just kind of becomes something that you do. Yeah, I like that idea of practicing, yeah. failing, failing yes. forward, yes. practicing again, failing forward, yes. and just getting better. So it's a you said before about patience, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think a lot of the failing of the resolutions could be the people just aren't sticking long enough? They don't have the patience? They don't have the patience. They don't have the will. They don't have... The dedication, the discipline, there are many, many things uh, that come into play. And I feel like uh, having a healthy lifestyle can cure anything people are suffering from. Anxiety, depression. Um, the rewards are huge for yes, fitness, right? But it hurts. It does. It, <laughs> it does. hurts. It's, uh, it's not easy. It's a process. It's long. As I get older, I make just longer goals, like a year goal. Yeah. So it'll take me a year to get to where I want to be. The end result of goals it's accomplished through the daily disciplines of your chalkboard right your chalkboard what people at first glance see is nothing you're just writing your daily goals how's that going to help me lose 40 pounds but the 40 pounds is lost by adhering to those daily disciplines yes failing failing forward yeah but keep those daily disciplines going accepting too that you're going to fail accepting too that you're not Perfect, accepting you know a lot of things about yourself that uh, that are just part of you. The oh. voices uh, that talk uh, to you daily. I mean, you make the choice of who you want to listen to. So this morning, there was a voice that was telling me, "What are you doing? You're gonna go to this podcast. You don't even know what you're gonna talk about. You don't even know this guy, Sean. What yeah, is this? We thing don't know be? <laughs> exactly. So 
that was one voice. And then the other voice was like, do something new, do something you've never done. You'll learn a thing or two. Maybe you'll meet a really great guy. That voice kind of took over the, wow. the voice that said, stay in bed. This is big. What you just said is big because it's fundamental to me to people being successful. Before you said will, you said people don't have the will. Mm -hmm. And then what you just said now about letting another voice win the internal struggle, that's willpower. Yes. That's will. Are we born with it? Can it be developed? Uh, is it a little of both? And if it, it, it can be. I, I feel like it kind of goes back to, uh, to, to practice. If you make that voice strong then it will be stronger than the other voice. How do you make it strong? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, there's a slogan that always comes back, and it's like the biggest company in the world is Nike, and just do it. And so that was one of the things that kind of always stuck with me and said, just do it. Don't overthink. Enjoy what you're going to do, and just go for it. And then um, several years ago, there was a movie with Jim Carrey called Yes Man, and I said, this movie is brilliant because... Uh, if you were to say yes to every single thing in your life, there would be so many more doors that would open. I became more of a yes man several years ago, not yeah. closing myself off to ideas uh, that I had about myself and about other people would give me, I guess, too. So, mm. um, yeah. Okay, so how do you think that somebody who's trying to get started with any particular goals or get on the road of becoming a yes person. Like they want to say yes to opportunity. They want to say yes to the challenges, but they don't have the willpower, right? That's like you just said before that it needs to be developed. Yes. Willpower is not this magical thing that no, somebody has. No. You have to make daily decisions that of set course. you up for success. Of course. Yes, yes, and yes. as you set yourself up to, for success, yeah. you succeed Therefore, building more willpower because yes. you're getting better at succeeding. Yes. I live by a bakery and every day I pass by the bakery and the bakery waves at me and says, you're not coming in today. What are you doing? Come and eat this pistachio croissant. It's so delicious. We got a brownies today. Why don't you come in? Not today. Mm -hmm. So I make those decisions and then some days I'll be like, I'm coming in. Yeah, but uh, you're going in with good conscience, right? Yes, course, because you've been good like yes, six yes. days out of the week or of whatever. Course. And now you're going in, you're thoroughly enjoying that food that you choose to so have. Another piece of philosophy that I have is you have to earn your pizza or you have to earn your, your burger or earn whatever. If you're not earning it, if you're not putting in the work, then you don't deserve to have it. Yeah. So that's what I've kind of trained myself to, to think and to do. To be, if I'm going to be uh, doing something negative, then I have to be doing some three things positive. Yeah. Can't you live in a way that allows you to sit down and have a glorious pizza, enjoy it, and not even walk away feeling guilty? I guess the guilt comes when, like you said, when the other disciplines aren't present to enable you to go and eat that pizza and still feel glorious about yourself. And then it's like, the other discipline is if you have one slice versus four slices, you know, that's another thing too. You know, it's like you can indulge, but how okay. much are you going to go into? Uh, okay. So we, we have to talk about that because I am that guy. I've, I can't have one slice. I can't have one chocolate. I just had uh, Julia on uh, Julia Ballot on the, my last podcast and she was talking about, you know, I have a piece of chocolate. I'm like, how do you do that? Just man? One piece. How do you have one piece? Like, 
How do you do that? Or are you lying? <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, you just have to convince yourself that you just need one. And that's enough. Yeah. I'm yeah, sighing over difficult. here. I'm like, it's that's... very difficult. I'm... Personally, I have to just say no. Yeah. Like, I don't... My discipline is... It's simple. It's the door is open, the door is closed. It's like, if I say yes, I'm all in. The pizza's gone. Mm-hmm. Like, more than more than a slice. <laughs> if I have a piece of chocolate, the chocolate bar is gone. So yes, yes. I'm much better at just like eliminating temptation by saying, nope, not doing it, not today. I know people say low carb works, paleo works, or keto there are so works. Many things, so many things. So many things, man. Oh, that, that is, con- and I was saying that with Julia, actually. We were both confessing that it's terribly confusing, even as for the professionals. Imagine somebody who's just trying to start out and get themselves straight, and they tell their friends, hey, I started a new diet. I'm doing this thing called uh, paleo. And they're there, no, no, you should try keto. And then somebody, oh, no, I tried the South Beach diet. And then the person who was celebrating getting started is already getting bombarded with confusion because everybody's got an opinion. Yes, it really is a balance. You know, sometimes I have an image of of like a justice uh, balance. Yeah, and. You know, if you're eating more and not exercising enough, obviously the balance will go into weight gain. Mm-hmm. If you're even, then it'll be weight maintenance. If you're burning more calories than you're consuming, then you're definitely in the weight loss yeah. kind of realm. I mean, I go to the grocery store and I go through uh, three aisles. I don't do the other aisles. Ooh, you stay out of the cereal aisle. There's no cereal aisle, <laughs> no pop aisle. There's the some cookie aisles aisle, that are just one. it's crazy. Like those Oreos, like those Oreo. How many cookies? different like, kinds of cookies do you want to have? Yeah, you know, it's like I think five is enough. Dude, I don't must need think. thirty different yeah. varieties. Yeah, and now with health too, it's like the same thing. It's like it's getting to a point where you're like walking in and you're like, hey, I want a healthy bar. Yeah, or like uh, there's eight to ten choices right now. What do I do? I need to read all the tags to be like, yeah. well, this one has too much sugar. Um, this one has not enough protein. Uh, so it becomes very difficult for people to make choices and good choices. Mm-hmm. Another thing is people don't cook enough for themselves. You know, it's uh, they think, uh, oh, I'm not a good cook. Well, because you don't practice cooking, you're never going to get a, you're never going to become a good cook if you don't practice. So uh, I cook a lot at home um, and I love cooking because I know what I put in it and I know how to make, Things taste really good because I work at a restaurant mm-hmm. and I ask a lot of questions. Uh, but people don't cook enough for themselves. Like mm. uh, in Montreal, there's so many restaurants that open and uh, they're all full because people don't like to eat at home. Do you think that's? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> do you think? Do you think that's a problem as far as? People being more accountable to themselves that they're leaving such a valuable. Um, it's such a valuable activity cooking for yourself that it creates this relationship with your food that inevitably I think affects your accountability. Of course, of course. So I like that you said relationship with food because mm-hmm. everything I see everything now as a relationship with something. So let's say for instance, when I was young, my relationship with money was very poor. Okay. I had it, I would spend it, go on vacations, gamble, everything you could imagine with money. And as I got older, I said, I need to change this relationship because it's not doing anything for me other than just giving me a 
the moment of pleasure that I have and, and that's it. So I changed my relationship with, with money, but I changed my relationship with food too, because I started cooking mm-hmm. and, uh, since then, I mean, I love cooking. I enjoy it. I love having a friend over and cooking for them and being like, oh, is that all we're going to eat? Like, no, no, there's more stuff, but everything is really, really healthy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's the, the I think that cooking is right up there in the top. And I, I when people say they don't have time, I'm like, what are you chasing after in life when you don't have time to cook for yourself and your family anymore? I'm not judging. Uh, people can do whatever they want. However, I think that inevitably affects their their health. I think it really affects them as people when they've lost the relationship to to preparing food for themselves and loved ones. And yeah, I I, I mean, with the. Uh with Netflix, with social media now, people are spending a lot of time on those platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, if you cut it half an hour, you could make yourself food. Yeah, fast. <laughs> it's as simple as Cooking that. Is, not a, is not as time-consuming as everyone thinks it is, right? No, you can make some very delicious meals in a very short period of time. Yes. Um, but it's just changing that relationship people have with food and being mm-hmm. more, uh, you know, practicing cooking until you yeah. get better at it uh reading book i mean you could just look through google and you'll oh, find every single recipe of free even exactly I mean, so uh, when people tell me like i don't have time or uh, i'm not a good cook i'm like well i'm just hearing uh noise yeah. you know okay so we talked about new years um you're not a huge fan of the resolutions but we're trying to help people be in that six to eight percent if they decided to go for it in 2020 so another thing is consistency talk about that when people say oh i want to work out uh, twice a week and i say twice a week's not going to get you very far Uh, if you want to work out and you're serious about losing weight or having a resolution you know it's got to be in the four to five Mm -hmm. times a week but then people take, uh, oh, I go to the gym and that's exercise. No, uh, you walk 20 minutes instead of driving. That's considered a small exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take the stairs instead of taking the electric stairs. Yeah. Those can pile up at the end of, uh, of a week, at the end of a month, at the end of a year. So people kind of don't see the, the bigger picture of, of making small little changes. Those small little changes add up. Yeah, and pay, so there you were back to your patience again. Yes, yes, yes. So again, it seems like we've repeated that. Lack of patience may be the one of the big reasons people don't fall into that 6 to 8%. They're just not patient enough with that. It's got to be all now and they don't it doesn't take into account um failing, you know, failing forward again, but it, in the in the end, you're not getting your result. You're, you think, okay, this isn't working, and you quit. I mean, how many percent? It's like 90% of people fail. Yeah, yeah. There has to be a way that people kind of rewire themselves, I feel. Yeah. They just need to really, really talk to themselves and be like, what are we doing here? What are we trying to do? Why are we doing this? Are we going to feel better about ourselves? Are we not? So, so there's like conversations that you have to have with yourself that are very difficult you know, I remember last year having a conversation with myself riding a bike mm-hmm. uh, after having a couple of drinks, finishing work. It was two in the morning, riding home for 25 minutes, and it was a serious conversation. And I was like swearing at myself, and I was like really 
being hard with myself and saying, why were you like this in the past and blah, blah, blah. But then the next day I was like, okay, I'm happy I had that conversation. But, you know, like you said before, it's like, I don't need to hammer myself every day. Mm. I can love myself too. Yeah. Uh, so sometimes you need to have a conversation, I feel. You were productively criticizing yourself that's different than just being hard on yourself mm. you had a tough conversation but you were being productive about it you weren't just beating yourself down maybe that's something right definitely, like we yes. got to have a hard talk with ourselves without it definitely falling into the category of beating yourself up and then writing writing what came out of that conversation with yourself is a great way to kind of see people are visual people want to see what they want to attain as goals or what they want to do and then making it realistic you know by writing it down it brings your thoughts into reality yes and yes yeah and i i, I like think that. that it forces you to go deep when you write things down because you're not people say well i don't know what to write i'm like because you're not going deep enough mm. in your head and that's why you, you're you're confused because you've lost the you don't know how to go deep with your thoughts Prove it, write it down, and you'll see. It's more and more people are, are waiting for something to happen and then reacting instead of, you know, if you're living unhealthy. Um, my friend recently uh, got operated for uh, gallbladder stones. Mm -hmm. mm, a lot of it is diet-related. So now there has to be a reaction to this mm -hmm. and it's healthier eating habits. Yeah. Whereas if you would have ad adopted something two years ago, maybe he wouldn't have gotten operated. So people wait for the worst thing to happen and then they react. And then they're like, okay, now I'm going to change. Oh, boy. When you could have changed before. And let's hope it's not too late when they finally do react. Exactly, right? yes, yes. Um, so a lot of it is, when I was 24, I said, I projected myself at 40 and I said, man, I want to be fit at 40. I want to be strong at 40. I still want to be able to do what I do at 24 maybe not as much. So I constantly do that and I'm doing it now at for 50 and I'm like, what am I going to be at 50? I'm going to be so strong. I'm yeah. So and you're 41 right now. 41, yeah. Yeah. 24 to 40, the 16 years it took for me to get to where I projected myself. I remember going to the park and seeing a guy playing volleyball and I was like, this guy's old, but he's killing everyone on the court. That's who I want to be. That's that guy that right there. That's the guy. It's super inspiring seeing people yes. who are older, like living life well, isn't it? It's just like tremendous. just happy faces, you know, yeah. just like uh, smiles and like they know something uh, about life. And I want to find out what that is. They have secrets that they have. Yeah. So now I've acquired a lot of secrets and now I'm kind of like sharing my secrets Alexander Tifo, oui. thank you so much for being on Fork Podcast today. And uh, people can uh, reach out to you through Instagram. Yes. Is that through the best Instagram. way? Yeah, through Instagram um, would be the best way for sure. All right. I'm going to have that in the show notes. And uh, Fantastic. And I hear that you're going to be start opening a new studio very soon. Yeah. So the studio will be uh, changing locations. Uh, mm -hmm. We're in Griffintown uh, currently. We're potentially looking somewhere Griffintown, maybe uh, Verdun, mm -hmm. where I live now. Um, we'll see. We'll see where the wind takes us. Yeah. Um, you know, it's on the chalkboard. It's on the chalkboard <laughs> <laughs> of my mind. That's <laughs> right. Well, Alex, thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you being here today. And 
Thank wonder. you very much for having me, Sean. It was great, uh, yeah, great talking. Well, you have an awesome day, and you guys out there have an awesome day too. Thanks, dude. Thank you.